You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. We're speaking with Jeremy Lassen. He's the publisher of Nightshade Books. Thank you for joining me, Jeremy. Yeah, my pleasure. Always good talking to you. Well, I thought we'd talk today about some of the best books that we read in the last year, previous year, 2007, and I'll start off with Dan Simmons' The Terror. Ah, uh, he always does great historic epics filled with detailed stuff that you didn't know anything about, but it makes you want to run out and find, you know, do a historical research study on whatever he's writing about, just filled with historical detail. This book is the story of a doomed polar expedition, and it was, there was, in fact, a doomed polar expedition, and he cleaved quite well to the historical detail. You know, when I first heard about this book, before it came out, I thought, how can such a book not be kind of dull? I was a little bit worried, but it was just thrilling and involving and really exciting, and surprisingly, this is where it really got me, it's really imaginative. A lot takes place up there in the Arctic that you just don't expect. Yeah, absolutely. He has some fantastic scenes of reenacting uh, pieces of Poe stories. It was just really a, a, an involving book that, that stuck with me. It's a The kind of book that I really like is a book that I can go back in my memory and visit almost as if I was va- on vacation. Not that I want to be on vacation on a ship full of men starving slowly in the Arctic, <laughs> but <laughs> that's a place where I can really conjure up those images and vistas that he created um, and, and was really uh, just a compelling, compelling book. And anytime Dan Simmons returns to his, uh, what I like to call his roots, um, you know, ostensibly sort of a horror novel, and, um, you know, he, does, he doesn't write that many, you know, dark horror thrillers anymore, but that's where I first read him, and I was happy to see that. Yeah, that was, uh, I think one of the earliest books I read by him was published, um, it was, oh, oh, now I'm blanking on it, it's the vampire, the the epic... But, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dark uh, Harvest Press. Carrying Comfort. Carrying Comfort. Boy, a huge book that he also illustrated. And then his first novel, um, Song of Kali, I still think is one of the most brilliant, you know, is it supernatural, isn't it, kind of novels of the 20th century. So oh, yes, one yeah. One of the great psychological horror novels of the 20th century. And I remember finding that one in uh, the Bluebird hardcover edition over at uh, Change of Hobbit down on when it, they were on uh, Santa Monica Boulevard. And ah, yeah, yeah. I think that was when I, uh, around the same time I picked up my, the first novel in uh, a sequence uh, by this guy named Stephen King. It was called The Dark Tower. I didn't know much about it. It was yeah, just, they had a pile. It turned out to be pretty much kind of a cult thing. Nobody really heard of that one, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, what did you read this year that struck you? Oh, well, one of the first books I read of the year that had just stuck with me the entire year um, was Daughter of Hounds by Caitlin Kiernan. Oh, she is fantastic. And that's uh, another one of her uh, kind of prehistoric, re- those, those novels are really creepy. Yeah, this one is a weird homage to um, the Lovecraft's story, The Pickman's Model. And it's kind of a, a story of a cuckold, of a... Um, a, a family or a, a tribe of um, ghouls living underground who steal human babies, and the, the human children are 
than the ones that can go above ground and do things for them. And it's the story of this one girl who's been kidnapped. Um, and it's just kind of suffused with, you know, wry loving nods to, you know, the horror genre. But the pacing is just incredible and moves you right along. Um, kind of an action oriented pacing and uh frankly i mean she's been doing these beautiful books for years but i think this one totally stands on its own um is completely accessible and i think is her masterpiece so far it's the best thing she's written by far i was just totally blown away by it yeah i really really love her work and i think she's uh, the this uh vibe that she's on is 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 quite quite fruitful she's really got a, a beautiful prose style too it's reminiscent sometimes of almost flannery o'connor she has a real down south feel to it. It's kind of gritty and yeah. Um, I it's it's a bit old um, old hat, but I, I call her Baudelarian. She just has a, a, a sense of the you know the kind of the beauty in ugliness or awfulness. Yeah, it just really comes across that that that, that uh, the flip side of uh, terror is beauty. Yeah, and yeah. awe, and and she really gets both those sides and 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 works them both together. Um, speaking of another um, author who can really just carry the um, the beauty of awfulness or just the emotional intensity, um, I thought Elizabeth Hand's Generation Lost this year was just a, a really incredible rumination on kind of like art and loss. And I, I don't know if you've read that one, but uh, I, I haven't read it. But uh, the last Elizabeth Hand I read was really, really evocative, and I think she writes in a, in a uh, a style not dissimilar to to Caitlin Kiernan. It, it's full of detail and emotion. Absolutely, and um, I don't know if Generation Loss is her most accessible one, but it's you know it's it's is actually it's probably not, but um, it it certainly blew me away this year. It came out this year and was just uh, at the top of my list. I think. Now, now uh, a novel that I didn't expect to find this year was that I really loved was uh, Austin Grossman's Soon I Shall I Will Be Invincible. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been hearing great things about that one. I haven't read that one yet. Oh, it's just hysterical. It's his first novel, and he comes out of a gaming background. He uh, originally wanted to be a writer, and then he got kind of sidelined into writing scripts for video games. And while he was doing this, he came up with this idea of you know taking superheroes kind of seriously and and trying to as he put it uh, when I talked to him uh, evoke how cool it would be to hang out with superheroes and the book is at once hysterical it's also kind of poignant and moving at the same time it, it's fast paced it's fun and I think anybody who reads genre fiction or even doesn't necessarily read genre fiction could pick this up and really enjoy it and, and whip through it in in a moment and. and Look forward to the next one as well. Absolutely, he was um, he was actually signing at Borderlands and um, read an excerpt from it, and um, it's a bestseller at Borderlands right now. We were, it's a staff favorite, and uh, definitely worth checking out. Now I have to ask, does uh, Borderlands sell John Burdett? Do they do well with John Burdett? Because his uh, latest uh, uh, novel about uh, Sanchi Jitlachip, <laughs> Jitlachip, uh, Bangkok Haunts, I thought was also just outstanding and really, really chilling. No, that's not one I'm more familiar with. Oh. I'm not familiar with, no. Um, he's written three novels uh, about uh, a Thailand, uh, a police detective in Thailand who's completely corrupt, but this is just part of the... the um, 
the vibe of, of being a policeman in Thailand, but he's also a Buddhist, and they're written from the Buddhist point of view. And, okay. and, and they just have one of the best, most intense supernatural perceptions of the world that I've ever read. And they are at once chilling and scary and, and funny as all get out. I, if you haven't read them, boy, you, you have. Yeah. Well, you got another one from my list there. Yeah, you, you, you have something to look forward to. His, his latest novel uh, involves a, a, a vengeful ghost, and it's really, really chilling. And it has the most, the, one of the most frightening scenes I've ever read. And after I, ta I talked to him afterwards, and it's based, in fact, on what they used to do to punish prisoners and it's really scary and you won't look at an elephant ever again the same way after <laughs> reading this book right on no one of the um really high profile you know quote-unquote scary ones of the year i think um is heart-shaped box by joe hill which was um i mean it got a lot of press for who joe hill was but just um you know no no holds barred great ghost novel um, and just real kind of um, character study. Um, Heart-shaped box just just didn't quit, and um, really loved that one. And, and it's been followed up. Or actually, it was preceded by the PS Publishing Short um, Story Collection, Twentieth Century Ghosts. Yeah, which has just come out now as an American version. And I think people who like the novel will certainly want to pick up the collection as well. Well, I certainly fell in love with his short fiction originally. He was one of those guys, um, you know, if you read, you know, extensively in the horror genre, you read a lot of short fiction, and his name kept coming up for years. And I remember stories back in, like, Palace Corby. Um, I mean, this is one of the things about Joe Hill that not a lot of people know is, like, he's been, he's been writing and writing, you know, very low-profile markets in the horror genre for a long time. And... Um, you know, I'd been familiar with some of his short stories, and when 20th Century Ghost came out, just blew me away. Um, yeah, I, I love his work. Highly recommend that collection. It's, he's, he's far more than just, you know, kind of a, a, a popular name or, you know, kind of like the hair apparent. He's, he's really got writing chops, and, you know, that short story collection will demonstrate he's put his time in. A uh, uh, science fiction novel I really liked was uh, Richard Morgan's Black Man. It's a little bit different from his other stuff. It's not quite as uh, um, pacey, I, I think, but it's really, really evocative and a kind of a powerful emotional oh, study. That's absolutely one of my favorites of the year, too. Um, it's called 13 in the U.S., um, but Black Man was his original title in the U.K., and um, you know, it's got a recognizable kind of protagonist. So if you're looking for a similar vibe from what you had, um, or point of view from what you had from, say, his Kovacs novels, you have that in. But um, the emotional intensity of this one, I thought, was just um, really up several notches from just as far as, like, the way you get involved with the characters. Um, yeah, I, I think Richard just keeps getting better and better with each novel, and 13 or Black Man, man, that just, that just demonstrated it. I, I, I can't recommend that one highly enough. Uh, another science fiction novel, I think, that, that literally brought me to tears was uh, Kathleen Angunin's In War Times. I, I don't know if you've read this or not. It's an alternative history novel, kind of, but it is amazingly powerful story of a family from World War II to the present day. Uh, told with a with a really interesting, just a very tiny twist, 
uh, uh, that involves uh, the MacGuffin is uh, something that involves uh, parallel universes and, and decision trees, and, and it's really amazingly well-written. Yeah, no, I've heard a lot of great things about that one. It's definitely on my list of things to get to. It's it it should be right at the top. It's really it's beautifully crafted. It's really well researched. It's based in part on some of her father's memoirs of World War II. He was one of the first people to work with uh, radar and stuff. And so it's really uh, uh, just a fascinating, fascinating book. And as I say, uh, a powerful vision of the 20th century and asking at the core whether or not mankind is good. <laughs> right, right. Uh, another another um, just beautifully researched novel from this year that just um, really stood out for me was uh, Mary Gentle's new novel, Ilario. Um God, I love her stuff. It's like, it, it's so, she is such a great writer. Yeah, and, the, you know, this one is set in, you know, in a kind of historical Carthage, kind of a, a alternate history Carthage, um, and it's a, it's in the same world as um, her earlier novel, Ash. Oh, boy, that, that novel just really blew me away. Was... And, um, yeah, this one, I mean, the main protagonist is a, a hermaphrodite named Delario. And um, she, I think, I mean, if there's any justice in the world, this is a shoe in for the Tip, tip Tree Award. It really examines, you know, issues of gender in a way that kind of like science fiction fantasy does really well. Um, and... Um, definitely be checked out. Um, it was broken up into two books here in the States, so... Um, <laughs> you know, Ash was broken up into four books in the right, States. Right, right. <laughs> it was really annoying. I wish they would get over this kind of a book well, splitting. Well, I mean, so there, uh, some of those giant British 2,000-page things are dangerous to read if you've ever fallen asleep <laughs> with one. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, but it, but it is two books. I think the first one is... Um, Ilario, and the second one is Ilario, the Lion's Eye. Um, but it was written as one novel and just spectacular. Um, but speaking of giant, sprawling awesomeness, um, Stephen Erickson, his Malazan books, just keep getting better and better. Like when I first read um, Gardens of the Moon, first book in that cycle, I was very worried about because I'd heard it was going to be ten books, and I, I thought, how can you know a writer maintain the intensity for you know so long? But um, the last one in the States that just came out, The Bone Hunters, uh, was book six. And, it, it, you know, each one of these books kind of stands on its own. He does a great job of, you know, taking a different tact or place or temporal setting um, inside this giant epic cycle that he's created. And um, The Bone Hunters um, really creates a, a, an intensity, a, a series high for me. I, I thought it was just spectacular. And his books, I think, have a bit of a feel. People who like uh, China Mieville, I thought his his writing has a, a, a similar feel for the supernatural and the urban and the gritty and the intensity and the surreal. I really like his stuff. I think he's just a superb writer on a prose level. And and his world building is, is some of the most complex and ambitious and successful world building that you'll see in the fantasy genre. I mean, he's you know, kind of dune levels of political intrigue and, and, and size of world building. He does a great job of, um, of something that I think Glenn Cook really pioneered, which is telescoping in and out of time. Like, you know, you'll start, you know, at the, the, the present timeline, and the next chapter will be like 3,000 millennia before the events of the first chapter, and then you'll go forward. And going forward and backward in time, as much as Erickson does, 
um, is, is a hard narrative trick to pull off because he's dealing with a lot of non-human cultures and characters and settings and um, kind of really gets across the, 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 the ancientness of this world and the, 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 the powers that are you know, kind of at center stage that comes across from the way he shuffles back and forth in time, and yet we still manage to maintain a, a close connection um, you know, to these characters. It's just a really kind of spectacular narrative trick that I don't think anybody does as good as Erickson. Another novel that I read this year that was not well known in the horror genre was The Witch's Trinity by Erica Mailman. It's the story of a 15th century German village that's fallen victim to famine, and it's told from the point of view of the oldest woman in a family, and as the food goes down, the desperation goes up, and she starts to fall victim to hallucinations, or maybe she really is being courted by Satan. And the scenes that we have in this book of her in the forest performing witches' rituals against her will and eating human flesh are some of the most terrifying scenes I've ever seen. It's also based on really carefully researched history. Oh, wow. And it's a quick read, but it's beautifully written. It's it's evocative. It's really intense. There are scenes in there that are, you just are bare, literally terrified to turn the page. She suggests the terror, but doesn't actually, you don't have to actually live through it. And And, and once you get those narratives where, you know, the kind of, unreliable narrator, the narrator doesn't know, the point of view character doesn't really know, um, you know, what what the consensus reality is. Those really kind of break down, you know, put you in an unsafe setting as a reader. It's really a tough trick to pull off. And, and uh, yes, as a, as a work of literature, it's a beautiful work of literature. It's really fast, and in fact, the author's um, her one of her rel- distant relatives was actually accused of witchcraft twice, and this is what's interesting: was acquitted. Oh wow! So uh, you know, you hear a lot of people claim to have uh, relatives who are burned as witches, but you don't hear a lot of people talking about uh, being tried for witchcraft multiple times and acquitted. No, was this one published by uh, by as a mainstream literature title? Or yeah, from mainstream press. Yeah, it was published as a mainstream literature title by mainstream press with a cover that would never, ever, ever let you know what it was about. Or, or <laughs> so, But if you haven't uh, seen it, it's well worth seeking out. It's very, very beautifully written and just absolutely terrifying. Well, another one that um, I think might go unnoticed by the horror genre but was absolutely beautiful um, it was this ghost story, uh, first novel by uh, Christopher, Christopher, Christopher Barzak, uh, One for Sorrow which is um, this really sweet coming-of-age story, except, you know, one of the protagonists is dead, and it's a ghost. <laughs> and um, I, I just thought that it was, um, you know, kind of a Ray Bradbury-esque ghost story that should definitely not be missed, except, you know, Ray Bradbury for the 21st century if your protagonist was gay. But um, just really spectacular book, One for Sorrow. Loved it. And again, like the Erica Mailman book, I saw that book. It's a book you would never, ever suspect would have supernatural themes or horror themes or any kind of element of the fantastic, but it's, it is really quite wonderfully well-written. It's be- the prose is really great in it. I think it's the, that and the Erica Mailman book both have just lovely prose that makes the, uh, the book well worth reading. Yeah. Well, another... another um example, moving, moving to some short stories of just beautiful prose. 
Um, Susan Polwick's collection, The Fate of Mice. Um, I thought there were just some spectacular stories, incredibly moving stories. Um, and she's had a couple novels out now, but um, The Fate of Mice was just a standout collection my mind this year. I thought it was great. And that was from Tachyon Press, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, another Bay Area science fiction publisher. You know, a little shout out to my peeps kind of a thing. But yeah, it was a really nice collection. We've been speaking with Jeremy Lassen. He's the publisher of Nightshade Books. We talked about some of the best books of 2007, and we're looking forward to a fantastic 2008. Thanks for joining me, Jeremy. My pleasure. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.